This podcast is brought to you by the People's Association. In this episode, we will explore workplace agility. I'm your host, Ryan Lim. Our guest today is the Chief Executive Officer of Polar Puffs and Cakes, a household brand loved by many that I personally grew up with and is still growing stronger than ever. With nearly three decades of F&B industry experience under his belt, he has held critical operations and business development roles in companies such as CIAS, NTUC Food Fair, Manhattan Fish Market, Prima Deli, Daily Fresh in Shanghai, and Cafe Bene in Korea. Let's welcome Francis to our fireside chat with the experts. Hi, Francis. Thanks for taking time with us today. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Uh, it's always good to see you, Francis. So we all know that the pandemic has really impacted the workforce in uncountable ways. Uh. So many things have changed, right? And it forced a lot of people to adapt to the new norm. Or they call it the next norm. Uh. Maybe it's not so new. Order. If I may ask you uh, from your experience, uh, how have you and your company adapted to this uh, environment? Well, when we first got it, I mean, if you look at it, it's just about one and a half year old. Like As you said very aptly, this is not a new norm now. Is the next norm. So I think for my business itself, especially now with uh, all this uncertainty, we are now trying to see, okay, how do we adapt? When the, the question first poses to us was work agility, I think there are two parts to it. One, of course, is referring to staff, and then the other one is management. But the important thing is, I think, the management must set the tone that they are open to ideas and how people should work. And then after that, then go back to the staff and say, well, we are in this together. And then now we need you guys to come in and say, what can you do with the limited resources that we have? Especially in Singapore, I think in the last one and a half year, we really face a lot of shortages, especially in the manpower side. And that means you really need to work with whoever you have. It's not a case where if you are short of people before COVID, you could actually run an ad and still say, I can hire someone. Now it's literally you run an ad, you don't get people even walking through the door. So you have to really make use of whatever you have in terms of a human resource and then rechange your attitude and then rechange the work, work together with the team like, so that they can also put in additional work into uh, their current job description. With this, right, is agility just optional or is it not critical from your point of view? I think now it's not optional. Now it's critical. So again, when we say agility, right, it also means that the very simplified version of this word agility means flexible. Especially when we have been trained so many years, people say, ah, this is my job, this is my JD, my job description. And suddenly you add additional things in today, they're like, ah, why am I having additional work? Yeah, not in the original description, right? <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of a resistance in the beginning when people say, hey, this is not my job. No. Then after that, what we did was when we sat down and go through it uh, with the team very openly and said, look, this is not like the old days. We have about 300 over people in the company. So we said, this is it. This is 300 over people. There might be even a reduction because some of our colleagues are from overseas and they may want to go back and they may not be even able to come back after that. And the reality is that the number of people working will be lesser and lesser. And therefore, everybody now will have to be a jack of all trades. You have one or two core skills that you have, but you need to know your left, your right, your neighbor's skill set. And then if there is a need for you to basically help them while they are away, then you have to cover for them. So actually, the workforce and the teams cannot afford not to be agile anymore, isn't it? 
Yes, I think especially now, it's not just the workforce. It's that the company must also realize that because of this, the design of work processes now really has to automate. Why I say this is because Singapore is a very unique country. One of the things that is unique to us is we are a very young nation. So if you look at our independence, we are 50 over years old. So that means we have grown very quickly and there are jobs that are still relying on a lot of what we call raw power, you know, human to run the business. And then there are jobs that are designed that it can be run by just a few. And the problem with this is because while we are transiting and in transition, this modernization and this digitization of work does cause quite a lot of changes in attitude. So you have the old and not so old, and then see the young and upcoming workforce that has a very, very different lifestyle. Everybody will then say, hey, why is this particular group, their lifestyle so much better than mine? I also want that lifestyle. I also want basically a balanced lifestyle like those guys. But the work nature is different. And so what we do now is we are in the dilemma because the workforce think one way, whereas the bosses think another way. And then we have to come to an understanding that, look, we are transiting. It will take us a couple of very painful years while we adjust everybody to be at a state where everybody is comfortable. And then during this time, the agility part is what is very important to, to all of us, is to accept as we progress to change the nature of our work. So the jack of all trades literally does come in into play because if people don't have that openness and say, look, I want to only do this, but I want to have a good salary. I want to have a good work, working shift, work hours. I don't want to work on Saturday. I don't want to work again retail. Eh? It's not going to happen. But I can safely say that, look, I can give you a five-day work week. But that five-day work week might include Saturday, Sunday. But you have a five-day work week. Then the other two days, you can choose how to spend time with your family. But if you say everybody who is in the retail business and say, we don't want to work Saturday, Sunday, then this whole country will be every Saturday, Sunday, there will be no more opening, no more service staff because everybody is just going to work on a Friday work week. So the agility part is not just the work process, it's the agility in thinking, the mind and the openness to solutions and at the same time, understanding what the world needs and then understanding our place in basically the industry that we are in and how then we work with the rest of the other people. Right, the key thing that you just mentioned is actually to keep a really open mind and to adapt to the new changes that's actually happening around us. Otherwise, there is no place to go back to at some point if we don't even start to adapt. Yeah, correct, correct. You're saying that actually the leadership is very important, right? So to set the tone and all. So I want to ask you, right, from your vantage point as a leader, and how do you actually maintain composure and answers for your team? I mean, it is easy to follow someone, not so easy when you're in front and you've got no one else to follow. So how do you go about this, especially when it comes to being an agile workforce? I think one of the very interesting things that you have asked, and we have also been trying to identify, right? We are trying to navigate through this very tough time. It's also then to look for leadership quality. Especially during times like this where everything is uncertain and also certain. It's a very funny situation. Right? You know where you're heading, but you can see the difficulties. You don't know when it's going to pop up. It's like going into a haunted house thing. Right? You know the book, the ghost is going to pop up, but you're still scared. So go back again. I think as people who lead the company, the important thing is that as the 
person itself, that everybody is looking at you for direction. The leader must have, I think, one important criteria, and that is not to panic. While it's easy said, not easily done, but I think that's what people want to look at. In times of confusion, they need a lot of answers. You will have to be the one who is the most composed when everybody is running and trying to solve a problem and they don't know how to solve it. And then you just watch, observe, and then calm everybody down. But is it realistic you know, to expect the leaders to have all the answers as well? It's not realistic. It's just like us who are running the business. And especially when I was looking at it and said, hey, why do I lead the company? And why do I make decisions? so much more different from my other staff. It's because when you lead the company, the set of things that is given to you in terms of knowledge base, it's only privy to you. It's like a parent uh, having two kids and while some other people look at the, the father or the mother and say, why are you pushing your kids so hard? You wouldn't know because the parent is the only one who knows how much stress this kid can take and how much stress this person cannot take and they know where the limit is. So when we run the business itself, we already know what is the capacity and how tough the team can be. It's just that we are also a coach and we let's push them a little bit and then see whether they will move or they are able to try and then solve the question or solve the problem without knowing that they actually have the propensity to solve the issue. In a leadership position, you may not have all the answers, but the responsibility is for leaders to be able to decide so that the team can fall and align to move in the right direction, right? I think our job is try to then clear off all the booby traps that they have. At least clear most of it with the ones that doesn't devastate them. But sometimes once in a while, you may miss one or two, but it won't kill them, but it will basically strengthen them. And then they will be a little bit more careful when they make decisions. Then you mentioned about the booby traps. So now I'm going to ask you about the challenges. With adapting to the new changes, evolving environment, what are some of these challenges and what are the key learning points that you have come out from it? Running a company is more like being a principal in the school. It still stays the same. I think now the challenges is, is a couple of things. One, as we bring in younger folks, the expectations are different. In that one and a half years while people are working, the three-day workplace, two-day rest at home, this has become the norm. And then you have the older generation who believes that you can only work in the office. Three-day work at home, two-day, they, they can't hack it. So you have to balance two groups of people. Right? How do you balance a group that believes that work is work, home is home, with a group that home also can work, work also can work. And then you need to have a hybrid of system where everybody has to agree what is important. So what we have done in Bola is we have told everybody, regardless of your preference, whether you want to come into the office, come into the factory to work, if your work allows you to work outside, it is the end result that we want to measure, not your time in the company. Ah, business value outputs. So it's more task-centric or output-centric. This is something that we are going towards. And this has also been translated into the factory also. And that's why now the guys are now sitting down and, and I gave them a challenge. I said, can we have a factory that works five days a week? Everybody said, no, not possible. Then I said, okay, can we have a factory that works five days a week for 70 to 80% of our staff, whereas the other 30 or 20% uh, have to work seven days. Then they say, okay. okay, then we say, let's go. Then let's plan for the 80% that have five day work week. Because while you're doing this, you are also now then opening an industry that people do not want to come in and say, there is a company 
that actually have a five-day work week. But depending on where you work, you can do the five-day work week. If you work in perhaps logistic, then it has to be seven days operation. But this is actually challenging norms, right? And a lot of like very well deeply ingrained habits and preferences. So in the last few months, we have been sending staff for classes. We've signed up visual merchandising class where we put all the HODs and all the staff from all departments into the class. And I remember my training manager came in and said, boss, why do you put the factory guys and the delivery guys into VM class? It's visual merchandising. It should be for the retail and marketing. I said, those guys are also visual merchandiser because every time they go into the mall, how they present themselves, how they deliver the product, how they pack the product. And God knows if somebody going to take a video clip of that they deliver product, you know, instead of putting the cakes nicely and they just dump. That's going to cause us a huge PR problem. And they need to know they're part of the visual merchandising process. And of course, the other reason doing that is of course, being now in lockdown, right, you have no chance of having things like D&D and all that. Classes has actually become a place where people mingle. And what we did was we used classes to also allow people to mingle and know each other and have the opportunity also to meet colleagues from other divisions while learning something. Right, so it's the social cohesion, using that as other parts of it as well. Yeah. So the other one that we just signed up is with a life coach to coach the HODs. Wow, retail with life coach. Hey, this is very new. So what we did was we have been looking at life coaches and unfortunately life coaches, they're not hard skills that are being sanctioned and you can't get grants from them. So actually you have to pay out of pocket for them. But life coaches are important because these are the guys who will be teaching people on how to reframe questions, how to look at problems and reframe it, and then how to find solutions. And all of us has some negative aspect of us and how to change the negative into positive. So what I did was I sort of put a life coach on retainer and he's supposed to do every week, so four times a month. He'll take our three HODs and he'll work with them because you can't expect change if the head don't change. So now what we did is we have changed all the ground stuff and we, they've learned the skill set. But if the HOD doesn't change and doesn't believe in being flexible, then it's going to get stuck at, at that HOD level. So your style is actually leadership by example, right? Yeah. From that, it seems that you already have an idea of what are the skills that you need, especially when you're looking at employees with the kind of agility mindset, right? Of course, the kind of mindset is definitely a core and critical skills that they, or rather the mindset that they must have. So can I ask you for your wish list on what are the ideal habits or practices that employees can adopt so that they are more valuable in an agile workforce? I look at it very different. One of the things that we always tell HR, don't look at certificate, don't look at how educated the person is. And we always insist on face-to-face -face interview. The first thing we look at is when we talk to you, whether you are humble, and then the next thing we talk to you and ask, have you ever failed? The funny thing is we always ask them what is the worst thing that they have done and they failed. And we are always very careful when people tell us they have never failed. Which means that if something were to happen to you while you're working, or you are besieged with uh, problems and issues, you don't know how to react. Failure is not a bad thing. It's a bad thing if you don't learn from it. But if the failure part, after you fail, you learn from it, it actually adds values to you. I think the most essential and the most important part is whether you're teachable. It means you have an open mind and understand that while you are skilled in certain things, there are other people who have different set of skills will teach you different things and then you learn from them. 
And teachability is also means that you are adaptable. That means you know that you are not a complete uh, know-all person and you are not the most intelligent person in the room, but you are so far like say, you have a certain secret and you know that and there are certain things that you don't know and then you are open to hearing, listening. I'm surprised that it's not proficiency that the SME bosses are looking for, but rather their teachability, as you mentioned, right? Proficiency is, of course, one of the things that when we look at it, right? Anything that is skill-based, that after repetitive training, you can adapt and acquire uh, the skill. That is not a problem because it can be taught. The mindset is the thing that cannot be taught. That's why teachability and teachable, it's not something I can teach you. It's something that you have to open yourself and to accept. It's a choice. So that part, we look at it is when we choose a candidate, it's all those skill set that, that we can teach you. We actually put it as a secondary factor. It's the things that I can't see and I cannot teach you. It's whether innate you have that humility, able to work under pressure. All right. Then the other thing is, uh, of course, are you teachable? Are we willing to learn? Because that, that is an innate nature. Before we end off this very interesting conversation, and I wish we had more time on this, any parting advice for our listeners? Well, from our experience and one of the things that I always share with my team, live day by day, enjoy it. But the most important thing, work is work, spend time with family. That's the most important thing. I mean, for us, we always say anything can happen, but family, you only have one. Life, you have only have one. Money, if you lose, you can still earn back. It's been wonderful chatting with you, Francis. I'm sure our friends from the PMET Network community listening benefited greatly from your words of wisdom. Thank you so much. Most of all, thank you listeners for tuning in to the Fireside Chat with the experts. For more information, email us at pa underscore lifeskills underscore lifestyle at pa.gov.sg. That's pa underscore lifeskills underscore lifestyle at pa.gov.sg. Thank you.